and welcome to the inaugural episode of the LA Public Health Podcast. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today is May 18th, 2020. Today's COVID-19 briefing includes comments from Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger and an update from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the LA County Department of Public Health. Thanks in advance for listening, and as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to our show in your podcast app and follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Barger. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. I hope everyone enjoyed a nice weekend. We are continuing our journey of easing safer-at-home orders, and many residents were able to enjoy trails, golf courses, parks, and curbside shopping while practicing social distancing. I'm proud of our community members for taking public health guidelines seriously, which enables us to begin reopening. I am confident that our shared goal and commitment to each other will keep us all safe and carry us through. As we emphasize the importance of our community together, I want to take a moment to highlight May as Foster Care Awareness Month. When I declared the Year of the Youth, as I assumed my role as chair, the commitment didn't stop when the public health crisis started. The Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services is the largest child welfare agency in the nation. On any given day, the department serves more than 35,000 children in open cases. Of those, there are currently 18,000 who have been removed and placed in foster care. As in every other area of life, the COVID-19 pandemic has a significant impact on the lives of our youth. The county still has a critical need for foster and resource families, even during the public health crisis. Los Angeles County is always looking for safe and supportive families to welcome a child into their home. With the opportunity to stay with a caring family, children rebuild their sense of belonging so that they can grow safely into adulthood. I know for many, the thought of becoming a foster parent may seem daunting. There are several other ways you can make a difference in a child's life. Parents who foster need the support of the community around them to fully serve the children in their home. Likewise, foster children often have unique needs that require patience and commitment from their new parents. Supporting these families in practical, hands-on ways provides a better circumstance for a child to find stability and thrive in their new home. Many faith-based organizations throughout the county have launched care communities. This innovative model enables volunteers to serve foster and adoptive families. Volunteers often offer support to foster families in many ways, such as providing weekly meals, serving as a mentor for foster children or youth, supplying practical needs like beds, strollers, car seats, and of course clothing, and helping to transport children to their appointments. In addition, All Saints Church in Pasadena has created a multi-denominational faith network called Foster Care Project. They support foster children through activities such as the birthday club, where volunteers help a foster child celebrate their special day. I'd also like to highlight Casa Los Angeles, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. These trained, dedicated, and caring community volunteers are assigned to work one-on-one -on -one with a child in foster care system and advocate for their best interest and have a standing in court. In the face of hardships, these community partners don't stop serving children and youth. In fact, their efforts are more needed now than ever. 
you can make a difference in a child's life in one of the many ways to provide the nurturing, love, and stability they need, please, please, please reach out. The Department of Children and Family Services is available to answer questions and provide information on how you can help and get involved. Please visit the department at dcfs.lacounty.gov or reach out to my office at katherinebarger.lacounty.gov. With that, I would like to turn the podium over to, uh, to uh, Dr. Barbara Ferrer to give you the weekly update. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you, Supervisor Barger, and thanks to the entire Board of Supervisors. Uh, because of your leadership, we have made and continue to make tremendous progress in slowing the spread of COVID-19. And to update you on our current status, I'm sad to report 18 additional people have died from COVID-19. 15 of the people who died are over the age of 65, and 12 people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. Three people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and all of the people in this age group had underlying health conditions. This does bring the total number of deaths to uh, 1,839 people passing away for COVID-19 uh, in LA County. Many people across our county are experiencing the profound sadness of losing a loved one, and I hope they know that as a community, we mourn with you and we are in our thoughts and prayers every day. For the 1,706 people who have passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 39% are Latino or Latinx, 29% are white, 18% are Asian, 12% are African American, 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. 92% of the people who have passed away from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions. And now that we're in the early stages of our recovery journey and there are more people out of their homes, it means that there could be more infected people that are out and about. So if you're a person with an underlying health condition, uh, this would be the time for you to continue to stay home as much as possible. And if you need a provider, you need to call 211 so that they can help you find a provider, uh, and that provider would be able to care for you as soon as you have even mild symptoms of illness. Today, I'm reporting 477 new cases, and as a reminder, the number of new cases is usually lower on Monday because many of our labs are not open on the weekend. This does bring the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to 38,451. The 38,451 total cases we're reporting include 1,298 total cases reported by the City of Long Beach and 694 total cases reported by the City of Pasadena, both of which have independent City Health Departments. We're also reporting 295 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness 156 people experiencing homelessness were sheltered and they are appropriately isolated and their close contacts are quarantined. The majority of people experiencing homelessness who have tested positive for COVID-19 and were in a shelter 
were guests at the Union Rescue Mission, where every guest was tested. There are 5,835 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 who have been, at some point during their illness, hospitalized. And this is now 15% of all positive cases. And again, that rate has dropped steadily the last two weeks. There are currently 1,570 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and are hospitalized. 27% of the people hospitalized today are in the ICU, and 20% of the people are on ventilators. And we do continue here again to see some small decreases in the number of people who are hospitalized. We have investigated a total of 428 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings where there's at least one confirmed and or suspect case of COVID-19. Of these, 400 are being currently investigated and 28 are closed investigations. These settings do include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in our institutional settings is now 9,909. And 6,452 of the people who tested positive are residents, and 3,457 of the people testing positive are staff. And I am sad to report that 955 people who were living in institutional settings have passed away from COVID-19. And this now represents 52% of all of our deaths. The vast majority of the people who died in institutional settings did reside in skilled nursing facilities. And to the families and friends of the people who have passed away, we are deeply sorry for your loss and we wish you healing and peace. And I'm gonna give an update in a few minutes on our efforts to reduce the number of infections in our skilled nursing facilities. We're also reporting 614 confirmed cases at some point in time in our jail facilities. 480 who were among people who were inca are incarcerated and 134 among staff. And as I noted last week, the increase in cases is in large part a reflection of increased testing. Currently, all the people who are quarantined at the men's central facility are being tested. And as these test results continue to be processed, we'll likely to continue to see an increase in the number of cases that we're reporting at the jail facilities. The Sheriff's Office is reporting for their facilities that today there are 264 people who are incarcerated and have tested positive for COVID-19. There are 216 people who are incarcerated and have recovered. There are 335 people who are incarcerated who are in isolation and 5,162 people who are incarcerated and are quarantined. There are 172 cases in the state prison 125 are among people who are incarcerated and 47 among staff. And there are 695 cases in the federal prison facilities, 681 among people who are incarcerated and 14 among staff. The vast majority of the positive people are at Terminal Island. There are now 18 cases in the juvenile facilities, six among youth, this is an increase of two from last week, and 12 among staff. We do post a report of confirmed and suspect cases at all of these facilities 
on our website, uh, which is uh, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is reporting 174 positive cases among staff, 574 staff are quarantined, and 1,008 staff have returned to work. The L.A. County Fire Department is reporting that 236 staff members have been tested for COVID-19, 22 staff have tested positive, 18 are isolated at home, 19 have returned to work, and four are homesick. And thank you very much, Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby, for continuing to share this data every day. There are over 350,000 COVID-19 test results for individuals that have been reported to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 9% of people who were tested are positive. As many more people who are not sick are being tested, the rate of positivity has dropped from 14% and I want to once again thank the Department of Health Services and Dr. Christina Galley for working so hard to expand the testing capacity across our county. And as a reminder, there are appointments still available at the regional testing sites. Uh, you can find both information on the sites and make an appointment at covid19.lacounty.gov testing. I have three updates uh, for, to share with you today. The first update is about COVID-19 cases among pregnant women. 164 women who are pregnant have tested positive for COVID-19, and 80% of the women who were tested and were positive were symptomatic. To date, there have been 38 live births and two non-live births among women who tested positive for COVID-19. And our hearts go out to the families who are mourning the loss of their infants. 31 infants were tested at birth and all have tested negative for COVID-19. We welcome all of our brand new residents to LA County and we're so happy that you're here. I'd also like to give you an update on, ca among, on cases among healthcare workers, including our first responders. These numbers include all healthcare workers who work in LA County, even if they live in other jurisdictions. A total of 4,298 healthcare workers and first responders have confirmed cases of COVID-19 in LA County. And this is an additional 684 new cases since the previous week. Cases have been identified among 26 different occupational settings and the vast majority of cases among healthcare workers are from people who are working in nursing facilities and in hospitals. Skilled nursing facilities account for 44% of the, these cases, and this is partly a reflection of the increased testing that's happening at these sites. And hospitals account for an additional 27% of the cases. The additional facilities reporting positive cases include outpatient facilities, home health, and mental health facilities. And nurses continue to account for the majority of positive cases, 46%, though cases have been identified among the entire range of occupational roles, including caregivers, people who work in administration, physicians, and medical assistants. The source of exposure is known for 58% of healthcare workers who tested positive for COVID-19, and 79% of the healthcare workers with a known exposure were exposed in a healthcare facility. 
6% of healthcare workers have been hospitalized at some point for COVID-19. And I am sad to report that 26 healthcare workers, our heroes, have passed away from COVID-19. This is six additional people since our report last week. 20 of the healthcare workers who passed away worked in skilled nursing or assisted living facilities. Four people worked in hospitals, one person worked in a correctional facility, and one person who died worked in an outpatient facility. For the families and friends who are grieving the loss of their healthcare hero, we are grieving with you. Your loved ones dedicated their lives to caring for others, and we are truly grateful for their service. And to all our healthcare workers, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Your dedication and courage to do your jobs each day is keeping us all safer and healthier. And I also want to provide uh, an update on our efforts at LA County skilled nursing facilities. As of this morning, 141 skilled nursing facilities have tested all their residents and staff, an additional 74 are being scheduled. This testing is a collaboration between public health, the Department of Health Services, LA City, and the facilities. And we're very, very grateful for all of the partners in this work. Of the over 3,600 people who have been tested, and we have results, 402, which is 11%, tested positive for COVID-19. Only 57 of the people who tested positive were symptomatic. 86% of the people who, were tested po who tested positive were asymptomatic, they had no symptoms, or they could be pre-symptomatic, 86%. Way more people who tested positive had no symptoms at the point that they were tested. Now, the low numbers of symptomatic people are in part because symptomatic staff are required to stay home, so there are fewer of them at work who are tested. And also, residents who exhibited symptoms in the weeks leading up to the uh, mass testing, uh, they were already tested um, and they were not retested uh, in this uh, round of testing. But most importantly, these results highlight the fact that there may be, in any setting, significant numbers of people who are positive for COVID-19 with no symptoms. And this is particularly problematic in our institutional settings. Infection control, appropriate personal protective equipment, and routine testing are essential for us to create safer environments for employees and for residents. And we do continue to do outreach with the facilities to schedule appointments to complete the testing. And I wanna encourage the owners and the managers to work with us to make sure that this testing happens as quickly as possible. We have two strategies that we're using for what we're calling mass testing uh, in, that we're doing in parallel at the skilled nursing facilities. And the first strategy is the one I've been talking about, which is we're testing everyone at the facilities where there are COVID-19 infected staff and or residents. Uh, and these are the facilities we report on every single day. But the second strategy is what we're calling a preemptive intervention. And this means that we're starting testing and surveillance in facilities that are not experiencing any outbreaks. This helps us proactively ensure that interventions can be made as early as possible 
the minute we are able to identify either staff or residents that are positive for COVID-19. I also was asked last week to provide an update on what's happening in LA County around multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Sometimes you can see this called MIS-C, uh, which is associated now with coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19. Sometimes you can hear this syndrome also referred to as pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome or PIMS. They're both the same. The United Kingdom was the first to report seeing illness that causes inflammation, swelling and redness in blood vessels throughout the body. And it occurred in some children that had already tested positive for COVID-19 or upon onset of illness tested positive for COVID-19. Many cases have also been reported in New York State and in a handful of other states. So far in LA County, we have four reported children with this syndrome that also tested positive for COVID-19 through antibody testing. But there are an additional 21 suspect cases that have been identified since March 1st that may be associated with COVID-19. And the investigations in these cases are ongoing. Fortunately, to date here in LA County, there are no reported deaths. But as people have noted, this is a very serious illness, although very rare in children. Three of the 25 children that reported with PIMS have required admission to a pediatric intensive care unit. And we are in the process of working with all the hospitals to identify any additional cases. On May 14th, uh, the Department of Public Health released updated guidance on our LA County Health Action Alert Network to educate providers on what they need to be on the lookout for. We're also asking that providers contact us if they suspect they have a patient who has multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. We will continue to work closely with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the California Department of Public Health to conduct surveillance and to better understand this syndrome. And in closing, over the past few days, it's likely that over a million people left their homes to visit the reopened businesses and our beautiful outdoor spaces. And just as a reminder, if the rate of people that can be positive for COVID-19 is about 4%, we might be able to estimate that as many as 40,000 of the 1 million people who were out and about could be infected with COVID-19. And if these people infect just one other person, that would be 80,000 people that could be newly infected with COVID-19. And if even 5% of these people who are newly infected with COVID-19 become seriously ill and need to be hospitalized, that could result in an additional 4,000 people that would need hospital care. And right now we average about 1,700 people who are in the hospital each day with COVID-19, with a COVID-19 diagnosis. So you can see why we do stand here every day and we tell you it's so important for us to continue to slow the spread. As more and more people are about, it's very easy to have a scenario where there's more infections and having more infections results in overwhelming the healthcare system. But I do know that if we do our part, if we are able to keep our distance, if we use our face coverings when we're around other people, it made a difference before 
and it will make a difference as we move through the future. Over the weekend, our inspectors visited over 1,600 businesses, and we found that over 1,000 businesses were not yet in compliance with the Safer at Home directives. We worked with all of the businesses so that they could implement these measures, and we want to thank them for following the orders and keeping their employees and customers as safe as possible. This is what it takes. Please go to our website so that you can find out what are the protocols if you're a business that's reopening, and please go to the website as well if you're a resident that's going to be out and about enjoying our newly reopened spaces. This is the way for all of us who are finding our way to the new normal, businesses and residents, to continue to do our best to slow the spread of COVID-19. Thank you very much, and we're now ready for questions. Thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press 1, then 0 on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the 1-0 command. And if you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Also, please limit yourself to two questions out of consideration for your colleagues. Once again, if you do have a question, it is 1, then 0 at this time. And we will go to the line of Hans Letts. Please go ahead. Hi, I'm calling from KBOU Radio in Malibu, where we saw firsthand just a disaster in terms of the public health order over the weekend. 70 to 90 percent of the people that we saw on a very crowded Zuma Beach did not have masks even in their possession. The public parking lot closure at Zuma Beach has pushed cars onto the inland side of PCH, causing pedestrian problems and also into residential neighborhoods. Access way gates in parts of Malibu were pried open, uh, open the locks jammed, allowing large crowds on the very small, narrow beaches. And we had hundreds of people congregating in parties at night, particularly Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when the waves were blue. Are you aware of these particular problems in Malibu? And if so, what steps are you taking to address them? Thank you very much for taking my call. Well, I'll let Dr. Perrins, but I'll just say that this is, um, when we talk about safer at home, we talk about being responsible. The only way we're going to get to a position where we go into the next phase is by people acting responsibly. So when I hear stories like this, it frustrates me because, in fact, I was in an area where there was a lot of hiking, but people were practicing it. So enforcement's going to be the key, but I would hope that people would use um, common sense when they are doing that. But, Dr. Perrins, I don't know if you were aware of it. Yeah, thanks so much for the questions, and, and we were aware, and we got reports over the weekend. Um, I, I, I want to start by, first of all, acknowledging and thanking people who were at many of the other beaches where this did not happen, where people were, in fact, using, oh, sorry, where people were, in fact, using their uh, face coverings, uh, and they were, in fact, keeping their distance. And for the most part, they were enjoying the beaches uh, as we had anticipated for active recreation. Uh, I do know that that wasn't the case in Malibu, and we're working very closely with Beaches and Harbor. I want to thank the city manager for all of her efforts um, to make sure that this doesn't continue to happen. I think the supervisor said it best. You know, we can continue to reopen if we all do our part. If people are going to uh, blatantly disregard their obligation to uh, make it safe for others, it's impossible to continue to move down a path towards recovery. Uh, because this is what will end up overwhelming our healthcare system. 
And I know because I hear from many of you, you're not getting sick, you don't know people who are getting sick, you don't have elderly people in your life, and you have no underlying health conditions. And I respect that. Uh, and I respect that this has caused a lot of hardship. But I want to remind folks that you don't know when you're in a public space or place who the people are that are around you who may have underlying health conditions and may in fact be the very person that is going to end up in the hospital because uh, you didn't uh, make that extra effort to put on that face covering and to keep your distance. These restrictions are only here to allow us to move quickly in through all the phases of recovery. We don't have anything else to offer. We have each other, and we have each other's ability to care for each other at this point in time. There isn't a medication out there. There isn't a vaccine. Uh, we don't have the kind of uh, rapid testing that would allow us all to know whether it was safe for us to go out and about. What we have is each other. We've done a great job getting us to this point now. I have confidence and faith uh, that we're going to continue to do the work that we need to do to keep each other safe. But thanks for the question. Next question. And we'll go to the line of Brenda Gazar with Southern California News Group. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Ferrer, you said that public health has conducted over 200 inspections in nursing homes last month that had prior infection control lapses. What did you find with these 200 inspections? What was the rate of full compliance? And the second question has to do with skilled nursing facilities in Los Angeles being required to provide diagnostic testing for COVID-19 employees and residents on a monthly basis. Do you think that's frequent enough since nursing homes are the focal point of the virus at this time? And what is the county's does the county itself have a requirement on testing at nursing homes? Yeah, um, thank you so much for both questions. Um, uh, so we did, um, you know, what triggered the uh, tests that we did last, I mean, the inspections that we did last month at those 200 or so skilled nursing facilities was a request that we look at uh, nursing facilities that had had violations in the past, so they didn't have a current violation. So I just want to be clear about that. It wasn't triggered by a current violation or a cur current complaint. We do have a system for managing those as well. But this was really look back, see uh, over the last three years uh, which nursing homes may have had some infection control uh, problems or issues in the past and go out and make sure again uh, that they're able to manage appropriately the implementation of all of the protocols that keep people relatively safe. Um, so it was really a proactive visit. It wasn't meant to um, you know, really be responding to complaints. And I think wherever uh, we noticed that there were issues uh, that needed attending to, uh, reports were issued uh, if it needed to have a report. But mostly what we found was people were doing their very best and uh, we gave a lot of technical assistance in areas where we thought that there would be improvements. If there were violations, then of course, as, as always, uh, violation notices may have been issued there. I don't have the number. I don't think it was a lot. That wasn't what was reported back to us. It really was an opportunity uh, for us to get out with our, our wonderful uh, public health nurse inspectors uh, to help, uh, again, all of our nursing homes uh, pay particular attention to the, the need to, uh, for everyone to have some PPE there uh, and, use their, uh, and use a lot of uh, surgical masks. Um, in terms of the last question um, on the requirement uh, that there be testing on a monthly basis, that, that's not our requirement. Um, so I know for us what we're doing right now 
is just working with every single skilled nursing facility to do round one. And then based on what we find in round one, we're advising on what the frequency is uh, of, of when you have to retest. I will say that in places where we have active outbreaks, uh, the frequent retesting will have to be at a much shorter interval than a month. Uh, so we're only talking in, the, in some of those places of needing to retest much more frequently. It probably look much more like a weekly retesting in places where we have active outbreaks. But thanks for that question. We'll take the next question. And we'll go to the line of Claudia Pashuna with KNX News Radio. Thank you. Um, I have two questions. Uh, I'm wondering if you're tracking stroke and COVID cases and you know, whether any uh, deaths by stroke for uh, unidentified reasons, if, if those people might be tested posthumously for Claudia, COVID. what did you attend? We couldn't hear the first part of that. What was the first oh, part? Okay. I'm wondering if the county is tra tracking strokes in COVID stroke. cases and stroke. whether any deaths by stroke for unidentified reasons, if those people might be tested posthumously for COVID. The second question is, I keep hearing from officials and listeners that people are waiting three to even nine days for test results. And I'm wondering, what's the point of offering asymptomatic testing if people who have the virus might keep going to work or otherwise be out and about for days before finding out if they're positive? And has the city's decision to open testing to all county residents slow down the turnaround time at all. Thank you. Okay. Um, I will let Dr. Galley answer that, but I can just say that as someone who's asymptomatic, I took a test on Friday or Thursday and got the results back on Saturday. So I don't know if you're referring to our sites. I did it through an urgent care, but um, I have not heard of a delay of that, that length, and I personally took one on Thursday. So Dr. Galley? Yeah, hi, thanks for that question. Uh, the average turnaround time among the county-operated testing sites right now is still about three days. Uh, there are certainly some cases in which it's taking longer than three days. That number is an average, though that's the exception. The county is also making some changes in uh, the vendors that are involved in the test sites this week uh, so that we can have both uh, different collection methodologies as well as more rapid turnaround times in the test sites. Sometimes the test results are available and people just haven't gotten an email or a phone number because the contact information wasn't adequately put down on the demographic forum or the vendor had trouble contacting them. So there are detailed information on the county's testing site about, depending on the specific site and the date of the test being run, where people can go to get access to that information. Uh, so please check the website, call the phone number or the email, or in some cases it's logging in at the HealthBANA platform to be able to to get access to your testing results. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, we have time for one final question. And we'll go to the line of John Edzak with the Associated Press. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, the governor just announced a relaxation of uh, county reopening criteria that he said will allow most of the 58 counties in the state to move forward with uh, many of the services that are still uh, uh, being held out. Uh, he also said he expects the state to allow resumption of pro sports without spectators in June. What does the governor's overall announcement and specifically the sports element mean for LA County? Yeah, th uh, thanks so much for the question. And, and we appreciated that the state, uh, and we appreciated that the state uh, relaxed 
uh, the criteria that we can be used that can be used by counties, you know, across the state um, to re to request a variance that would allow us to move faster through uh, stage two. We're going to look at it. It was just issued, so we're obviously looking at it. It has a lot of conditions uh, that you need to actually attest to in order to be able to get a variance, but I know that our staff are, are looking at it now. Uh, and if we're eligible, of course, we would also be applying just to allow us to make a decision, you know, based upon local conditions. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't tell you what you have to do. It just allows you more flexibility. Um, so we appreciate the governor and his staff for, for in fact, issuing new guidance on the variance requests. Um, in terms of uh, the sports teams, yeah, we're very excited to hear. Again, you know, this is, um, you know, we're not able as a, as a county to, to move faster than the state um, and that the state is, is really thinking it's possible for there to be uh, some resumption of uh, sporting activities, uh, including, you know, making sure that uh, players can get back to practicing. Uh, again, you know, modified ways, there'd be a lot of safety. I know that the player associations and the teams you know, have been busy drafting a set of protocols so that they can ensure that they're able to do this as safe as possible. I would assume that this will all, for the next while, uh, be spectator-free, but I know uh, for all of us, uh, we'd be very excited to be, to be able to see our teams uh, starting to get ready to play again. So I look forward to hearing from the state uh, what the protocols are going to be and the directives to make sure that the activity is able to happen in a way that keeps everybody uh, as safe as possible. Uh, and now we'll move to remarks in Spanish from uh, Jackie Valenzuela. Buenas tardes. Para actualizarlos, nos da tristeza informar que 18 personas adicionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 1,839 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Para las 1,706 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza de etnicidad, el 39% son latinos, el 29% son blancos, el 18% son asiáticos, el 12% son afroamericanos, y el 1% son nativos de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico. Y 1% se identifican con otra raza o etnicidad. 92% de las personas que murieron por COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Hoy estamos reportando 477 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de personas que dieron positivo para COVID-19 en nuestro condado a 38,451. Estamos reportando 295 casos entre personas sin hogar. Y la mayoría de las personas sin hogar que dieron positivo um, fueron huéspedes en el albergue Union Rescue Mission. 5,835 personas que dieron positivo para COVID-19 fueron en algún momento hospitalizadas, eh, cual representa el 15% de todos los casos reportados. Eh, actualmente hay 1,570 personas que dieron positivo para COVID-19 que están hospitalizadas. El 27% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 20% de estas personas están en ventiladores. Seguimos viendo reducciones en el número de personas hospitalizadas en las últimas dos semanas.
Hemos investigado un total de cuatro, 428 entornos de congregación residencial y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. De estos, 400 están siendo investigados actualmente y 28 son investigaciones cerradas. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 9,909, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 6,452 de estas personas son residentes y 3,457 de estas personas son personal. También nos da tristeza informar que 955 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19, lo que representa el 52% de todos los fallecimientos. La gran mayoría de estas personas residía en centros de enfermería especializada. Estamos también reportando 614 casos confirmados en algún momento en las cárceles, 480 entre personas encarceladas y 134 empleados. La oficina del Aguacil informa que entre personas encarceladas, 264 personas han dado positivo, um, 216 se han recuperado, 335 están en aislamiento, y 5,162 personas encarceladas están en cuarentena. Hay 172 casos en la prisión estatal y 695 casos en prisiones federales. La gran mayoría se encuentran en Terminal Island y 18 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. Publicamos un informe todos los, de todos los casos uh, en el sitio web del Departamento de Salud Pública. Uh, puede ver eso en uh, publichealth.lacounty.gov. El Departamento del Aguacil uh, también reporta en, entre su personal que hay 174 casos positivos, 574 empleados están en cuarentena y 1,008 uh, han regresado a trabajar. El Departamento de Bomberos uh, informa que entre su personal, 236 han sido evaluados para COVID-19, uh, 22 han dado resultados positivos, 18 están aislados en casa, 19 han regresado al trabajo y 4 están enfermos en casa. Más de 350,000 resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 han sido reportadas al Departamento de Salud Pública. Y el 9% de las personas evaluadas um, dieron resultados positivos. Tenemos tres actualiza actualizaciones hoy en día. Eh, la primera es sobre los casos de COVID-19 entre mujeres embarazadas. 164 mujeres embarazadas han dado resultados positivos y el 80% de las mujeres que se hicieron la prueba y fueron positivas tuvieron síntomas. Hubieron 38 nacimientos vivos y dos recién nacidos fallecidos uh, entre mujeres que dieron positivo. 31 recién nacidos han, dado, han sido evaluados al nacer y todos han tenido resultados negativos. 
Uh, la segunda actualización es sobre casos entre trabajadores de atención médica que trabajan en el condado de Los Ángeles, aunque puedan vivir en otros condados. Un total de cuatro, eh, perdón, 4,298 profes, profesionales de atención médica y personal de primeros auxilios han son casos confirmados de COVID-19 aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Esto es uh, 684 casos nuevos adicionales desde la semana pasada. Se han identificado casos entre 26 entornos de diferentes uh, entornos de trabajo y la gran mayoría de los casos corresponden a profesionales de salud en centros de enfermería especializada y hospitales. Las instalaciones de enfermería especializada representan el 44% de los casos y esto se debe en parte al aumento de pruebas en estos sitios. Los hospitales representan un 27% adicional de casos. Las enfermeras y enfermeros uh, representan la mayoría de los casos positivos, eh, aunque los casos se han identificado entre una variedad de trabajos. La fuente de exposición es conocida uh, por más de la mitad de los trabajadores de salud que dieron positivo para COVID-19. El 79% de profesionales de salud con exposición conocida estuvieron expuestos en un entorno de salud. 6% de profesionales de salud han sido hospitalizados en algún momento por COVID-19. Eh, y nos da tristeza informar que 26 profesionales de salud han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Uh, seis personas adicionales desde nuestro informe la semana, la semana pasada. La mayoría de los profesionales de atención médica que fallecieron uh, trabajaban en centros de enfermería especializada o de vida asistida. La tercera actualización es sobre nuestros uh, esfuerzos en los centros de enfermería especializada. A partir de esta mañana, 141 centros de enfermería especializada han evaluado a todos los residentes y al personal y se están programando 74 más. Eh, de las más de 3,600 pruebas, eh, personas evaluadas, uh, 402 dieron positivo para COVID-19. Solo 57, uh, que representa el 14% de las personas que dieron positivo, uh, fueron sintomáticas. El 86% de las personas que dieron positivo no tenía síntomas. El bajo número de personas que tenían síntomas se debe en parte a que se requiere que el personal que, que tiene síntomas uh, se quede en casa, por lo que hay menos personas en el trabajo que se someten a pruebas. Lo más importante es que estos resultados resaltan la posibilidad de que en cualquier entorno uh, pueda haber un número significativo de personas positivas sin síntomas, uh, particularmente en entornos institucionales. El control de infecciones, el equipo de protección personal adecuado y las pruebas de rutina uh, son es esenciales para crear un entorno más seguro. Tenemos dos estrategias que estamos implementando para dar más pruebas en estos sitios. Uh, la primera es de hacer más pruebas en instalaciones con personal o residentes infectados con COVID-19. 
Estas son las instalaciones que uh, informamos diariamente, a diario. Um, la segunda estrategia es la intervención preventiva y esto significa hacer pruebas y vigilar instalaciones que actualmente no están experiment experimentando brotes. Queremos uh, también referirnos brevemente a lo que está sucediendo en el condado de Los Ángeles en torno al síndrome inflamatorio multisistémico en niños uh, o PIMS por sus siglas en inglés. El Reino Unido fue el primero en informar que vio uh, una enfermedad que causa inflamación, uh, hinchazón y enrojecimiento en los vasos sanguíneos de todo el cuerpo de niños con resultados positivos de COVID-19. También se han reportado casos en Nueva York. Hasta ahora en el condado de Los Ángeles hemos reportado cuatro niños con este síndrome que dieron positivo para COVID-19 a través de pruebas de anticuerpos y hay 21 casos sospechosos adicionales identificados desde el primero de marzo que pueden estar asociados con COVID-19. Y afortunadamente, hasta la fecha, no hay muertes reportadas. Uh, tres de los 25 niños reportados con PIMS han requerido admisión a, a una unidad de cuidados inten intensivos. Um, estamos trabajando con hospitales para identificar otros posibles casos. Y el 14 de mayo publicamos una guía actualizada sobre uh, nuestra red de alerta de salud del condado de Los Ángeles para educar a los médicos sobre las señales que deben buscar, igual para pedirle que se pongan en contacto con el Departamento de Salud Pública uh, para reportar posibles casos. Uh, en los últimos días, uh, es probable que más de un millón de personas hayan salido de sus hogares uh, para visitar lugares que han reabierto recientemente. Si la tasa de personas positivas con COVID-19 es del 4%, eh, podemos estimar que 40 mil uh, de un millón de personas están infectadas. Y si esta per estas personas infectan a otros, uh, son 80,000 personas uh, infectadas con COVID-19. Y si el 5% de estas personas infectadas con COVID-19 se enferman um, gravemente y necesitan ir al hospital, uh, eso significa que 4,000 personas adicionales uh, están en el hospital. Como recordatorio, estamos viendo un promedio de alrededor de 1,700 personas en el hospital cada día. Eh, entonces, puede ver que podemos llegar fácilmente a un lugar donde muchas más personas uh, se infectan y se enferman gravemente. Y esto puede abrumar nuestro sistema de salud. Es la responsabilidad de cada persona en el condado um, hacer su parte para protegerse y a, lo, a los demás. Durante el fin de semana, nuestros inspectores visitaron más de 1,600 negocios uh, y reportaron que más de 1,000 no cumplieron con todos los protocolos para reabrir. Eh, trabajamos con la gran mayoría de ellos para que pudieran cumplir con los directivos y queremos agradecer a todos los negocios por seguir las órdenes que mantienen a sus empleados y a sus clientes lo más seguro posible. Uh, y, y por eso le damos las, las gracias a todos. And then we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Varyor Bolorin. Shnorakalem verahaskich marmineri vokh chorurtin. Nerka iravijaki veraberal tegekutsunere hetevialnen. 
այսօր ցավով հայտնում են եւս 18 մահվան մասին այս մարդկանցից 15-ը 65 տարեկանից բարձր են որոնցից 12-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ Երեք անձի տարիքը 41-65-ն է եւ ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 839 Los Angeles շրջանում մահացած 1770 մարդկանցից ռասայ էթնիկական պատկանելությունը հետեւյալն է 39% լատինո լատինեքս 29% սպիտակ 18% ասիական 12% աֆրոամերիկացի 1% բնիկ հավայան եւ 1% մեկալ ռասա եւ էթնիկ խումբ Covid-19 մահացած անձանց 92% ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ հնարավորինս խուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 477 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա բերում է Los Angeles շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 38451-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 1298 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 694 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 295 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 156 անձինք պատճաճ կերպով մեկուսացված են, իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանտինացված են։ Անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց մեծ մասը, ովքեր դրական են COVID-19-ի համար, եղել են միության փրկարար առաքելության հյուրերը։ 5835 դեպք ինչ որ պահի հոսպիտալացվել են, որը կազմում է բոլոր դրական դեպքերի 15%-ը։ Ներկայումս քննություններ են կատարվում 428 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակվող բնակելի հասարություններ եւ քրեակատարողական հիմնարկներ։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 9909-ն են ներառյալ անznakազմ եւ բնակիչներ։ Այս դեպքերից բնակիչները կազմում են 6452 եւ անznakազմը կազմում է 3457։ Ցավով են հայտնում, որ այս հաստատություններում COVID-19-ով մահացել են 955 բնակիչ, որոնք կազմում են բոլոր մահերի 52%-ը։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 614 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են քրեակատարողական հիմնարկներում։ 480 դատապարտյալ եւ 134 աշխատող։ 264 բանտարկյալներ տեսավորվել են դրական, 353-ը մեկուսացված են, 216-ը առողջացել են, 5162-ը կարանտինում են։ 172 դեպք նահանգային բանտերում։ 125 բանտարկյալ եւ 47 աշխատակազմ։ 695 դեպք վետերալ բանտերում։ 681 բանտարկյալ եւ 14 աշխատակազմ։ 18 աշխատակազմի դեպք անչափահասների հաստատություններում։ 
Մենք տեղադրում ենք հաստատված դեպքերի եւ մահվանդիվը մեր կայքում աշխատողներին, բնակիչներին եւ ընտանիքներին տեղեկացնելուց հետո։ Եվ Լոսանջոր շրջանի արցանագրված բոլոր նոր դեպքերի զեկույցը կարող եք տեսնել առողջապահության վարչության կայքում publichealth.lacani.gov Լոսանջոր շրջանի շերիվ վարչությունը զեկուցում է 174 դրական դեպք անznakazmi մեջ 574 կարանտինի մեջ են 1008 վերադարձել են աշխատանքի Լոսանջոլոս շրջանի հրշեջ վարչությունը հայտնում է 22 դրական դեպք անznakazmi մեջ 18-ը մեկուսացված են տանը 19-ը վերադարձել են աշխատանքի Ավելի քան 350,000 մարդ տեսավորվել են եւ արցունքները զեկուցվել են լոս-անջելոս շրջան, որից 9%-ը դրական են։ Ես ուզում եմ քաջալերել ձեզ տեսավորվել, եթե ունեք ախտանիշներ, տարաշրջանային տեսավորման վայրերում։ Ժամադրության համար կարող եք այցելել covid19.lacani.gov/testing Ցանկանում եմ համառոտ շոշափել այն դեպքերը, ինչտեղին ունենում Լոս-Անջելես շրջանի երեխաների բազմաբնույթ բորբոքային համաախտանիշի շուրջ, որը կոչվում է MIS-C, կապված կորոնավիրուսի հետ։ Գուցե դուք լսել եք այս սինդրոմի մասին, որը կոչվում է մանկաբուժական բազմամակարդակ բորբոքային համաախտանիշ։ Միացյալ թագավորությունը առաջին անգամ զեկուցեց որ տեսել է հիվանդություն, որը առաջացնում է բորբոքում, այտուց եւ կարմրություն, այրան անոթների ամբողջ մարմնում, որոնք տեղի են ունենում COVID-19-ի դրական փորձարկումներում։ Դեպքերն գրանցվել Նյու-Յորք, Նյու-Յորքում։ Մինչ այժմ Լոս-Անջելես շրջանում ունենք այդպիսի համաախտանիշ ունեցող 4 երեխա, որոնք դրականորեն են փորձարկվել COVID-19-ը։ հակամարմինների փորձակման միջոցով եւ կան նաեւ 21 կասկածելի դեպքեր, որոնք հայտնաբերվել են 2020 թվականի մարտի 1-ից ի վեր, որոնք գուցե կապված են COVID-19-ի հետ։ Եվ բարեբախտաբար միջ օրս մահվան դեպքեր չկան։ PIMS, որ հայտնված 25 երեխաներից 3-ը գտնվում են մանկաբուժական ինտենսիվ թերապիայի բաժանմունքում։ Մենք կշարունակ ենք աշխատել հիվանդությունները վերահսկման եւ կանխ արկելման կենտրոնների եւ Կալիֆորնիայի հանրային առողջության դեպարտամենտների հետ հսկողության իրականացնելու այս սինդրոմը ավելի լավ հասկանալու համար։ Վերաբացում անցյալ հանգստյան օրերին։ Վերջին մի քանի օրերի ընթացքում ամենայն հավանականությամբ ավելի քան 1 միլիոն մարդ այցելել է վերաբացված բիզնեսներ եւ բացօցյա տարածքներ։ Եթե COVID-19-ով դրական մարդկանց թիվը 4%-ը, ապա կարող են գնահատել, որ դուրս եկած 1 միլիոն մարդկանցից 40000-ը վարակված են։ Եվ եթե այդ մարդիկ վարակեն 1 այլ անձի, ապա COVID-19-ով վարակված 80000 մարդ կլինի։ Եվ եթե COVID-19-ով վարակված այս մարդկանցից 5%-ը ծանր հիվանդանա եւ պետք է հոսպիտալացվել, ապա դա լրացուցիչ 4000 մարդ է։ Հիշեցնենք, որ ամեն օր հիվանդանում է շուրջ 1700 մարդ։ Այսպիսով, 
դուք կարող եք տեսնել, որ մենք հեշտությամբ կարող ենք հասնել այնպիսի տեղ, որտեղ շատ մարդիկ են վարակվում և ծանր հիվանդանում։ Եվ դա կարող է հանգեսնել մեր առողջապահական համակարգի ճնշմանը։ Վարճաշրջանի յուրականչուր անց պարտավոր է անել իր մասը պաշպանելու իրենց և մի միանց օգտագործելով տարածքը դանդաղեցնելու համար և մեր գործիքները կլինեն վիզիկական հերավորությունը և դեմքի ծածկոց կրելը երբ տանից դուրս է գալիս։ Հանգստյան որերին թացկում մեր տեսուչները այցլեր են ավելի կան հազար վեցարուր բիզնես և մենք պարզել ենք, որ ավելի կան հազարը համապատասխան չեն կանոններին։ Մենք աշխատել ենք նրանց հնարավորինս անվտանք ապահովելու աշխատակիսներին և հաճախորդներին։ Այսպիսով, ովքեր գնում են մեր հետ նորմալ ճանապարով, բիզնեսներն ու բնակիչները շատ չնորակալ եմ ձեզ, որ անում եք հնարավորը This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.